Book of Serenity, Case 15, Yangshan Plants His Home. Wishan asked Yangshan, Yangshan, where are you coming from? Yangshan said, from the fields. Wishan said, how many people are there in the fields? Yangshan planted his hoe in the ground, clasped his hands, and stood there. Wishan said, on South Mountain, there are a lot of people cutting thatch. Yangshan took up his hoe and went. Okay, so let's take 10 minutes. One idea I had is that each of us could write about one line. What do you think of that? Yeah, I liked it. Okay, who would like to take Where Are You Coming From? I would. <laughs> it's funny. That's the line I focused on. Okay, and who would like to take From the Fields? Since it's overwhelming, everyone wants it, I'll take it. I will do it. Oh, who said? Malen? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, so Snelda, Malen, and who would like to take how many people are there in the fields? Okay, I'll do that. Then, <coughs> uh, who would like to take Yanshan, planted his hoe in the ground, clasped his hands, and stood there? I would. Melissa. Okay. And then, who would like to take on South Mountain? There are a lot of people cutting thatch. So we still have Nandia. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Would you take that? Yeah. Okay. Nandia. And someone else is here, right? I am. Uh... Oh, yeah, Starlet. So will you take the last line, Starlet? Sure. Yeah, okay. Is how I went. Yeah, I'll leave it up. And then then we could um, we could all talk about where we went to, um, you know, in that order. In fact, I just heard in this book I'm listening to that uh, many people working together is a good way to solve a problem. Not that this is a problem, but. Did this make sense? I Just to take a line? I, think, I, I, I want to stress, I may have overthink it big time. Because what? I, I think I overthought what I wrote. Well, I think that's, that's the process. We first try um, with our discursive mind to figure things out. And then they, uh, we, we find out that that doesn't work. There was a wonderful saying by William Blake, if a fool would persist in her folly, she would become wise. Now, he, he, his was he, you know, male. But if a fool would persist in his folly, he would become wise. So you do that. 
and then and then something else happens right you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't think it's a i think it's kind of unavoidable or maybe maybe you can train yourself so you don't do that but i think it's also what the cons about for me is is this uh back and forth between between the the um small mind and big mind the discursive mind and the and the boundless mind anyway let's hear from nelda where are you coming from um okay where are you coming from when asked it by anyone my first thought is what an open question from my mother's womb and then i ask who is my true mother mother earth mother god or mother cosmos my dirt and air and fire and wind, human mother, my ancestors, and before that, and before that. Where are you coming from? From my kitchen or my garden or from my aching back? Where am I coming from? A thought in which, I, am I coming from a thought in which I was lost in memory, um, now past, or in a hope in which I look to the future? Or am I lost in this moment? Is that where I'm coming from? This moment now past? Or this moment? Or this next one? And who is this you? Is it the mind that watches this hand and pen writing these words? Or these ears that hear my breath move in and out so close to me or the vehicles traveling at a far distance? Where is true where, who is true you? In this existence of construct and delusion, where is that? Who is that? Oh, to be in those ever so brief and ever so few moments when I know exactly where and who I am. Nowhere and everywhere, no one and everyone. And you don't think you have any talent to write. <laughs> Just a second. I need to turn my fan on. I do I not. On. That, I came from, that came from a place I don't know of. It just flowed out. <laughs> well, that's a good place. Okay. From the fields is Malin. Okay, I have this. From the fields emerges everything. Life in prosperity, hope, promises of life. From the eternal cycle that must not be forgotten. From the fields, from the soil, we always find generous life and prosperity. Rooting, certainly foundations for when vagueness arises for those volatile moments when we must return to the purest part of being. Thank you. Well, this is, this is um, helping me so much, just enlarging my, my view. This is great to me. Um, how many people are there in the fields? 
Is this plane along with Yangshan on the superficial level, or is it about emptiness, where really there are none, where there is no one? Is it a Dharma conversation or just idle conversation, or does it operate on both levels? <laughs> we had read that Gishan would have known that Yangshan, where Yangshan had come from. So is he trying to engage at a different level? When we see the answer to this question, we see that something happened with the question. But I'm cheating by looking ahead. Do the questions we asked make a difference? The first question should have been enough to get Yangshan going, did it not? And next is, oh, here. Melissa. Mm -hmm. Oops. Okay, here we go. I worked hard. We cleared the field. And now we have rice to eat and trade. Now this man asks me where I've been. He knows from looking at me. I plant my hoe and clasp my hands and wait. Wait for him to impart some great wisdom. Give some sage advice. I've earned that. Days working from sunup to sundown. I wait. I shift from one foot to the other. I wait. He looks me up and down, not smiling. I wait. Finally, he takes a breath. I lean in to catch all the words, all the wisdom. He looks me up and down again and says, on the South Mountain, there are a lot of people cutting thatch. I look toward the South Mountain. I look at him. He looks me up and down again and takes in another breath. I wait for the wisdom to come. I wait. And then it comes to me that my work is not done. I do not yet know enough to receive his wisdom. I pull up my hoe and go. That's really neat. Thank you. Okay. And Nandia. Yeah, so my line was, Guishan said, on South Mountain, there are a lot of people cutting thatch. So I didn't really follow the directions. Um, good, good. Yeah, I didn't write. Uh, I contemplated the line and the koan. And uh, it's obvious from the first line uh, where uh, the coming from is from. Because Yangshan is walking with a hoe and coming from a specific direction. So uh, where are you coming from? The fields. This is obvious. How many people are there? So Yangshan is like, yo, here I am. I've come from there. This is the time of people working in the fields. So there's fucking people working in the fields. Mm -hmm. Yo, hello, you know this. This conversation is about something else, not 
was totally obvious. So um, I just, I think one has to, it's, it's not about the words that are being uttered because the words that are being uttered are completely self-evident. Um, so I just tried to um, sit with that and not knowing uh, the relationship between the two. Um, you know, if I knew the relationship between the two, it might be more apparent to me what this conversation is really about. Uh, what I got up to this line on South Mountain, there are a lot of people cutting thatch, is, is just the just this of it, that there's work to be done and people are doing work, you know? And now, before I was there and now I'm here and, you know, in an instant, I'm going to be moving on from here. It's just a, it's just a, all very nowness. And so that's what I, that's what came up for me. I'm curious, do you think of South Mountain as a different place, a far off place, kind of an idyllic place than the fields where um, Yangshan was? Or do you think of it as the fields were in the South Mountain? I read it that the fields were in the South Mountain. How do you I, read it? I read it the opposite, that, that specifying this, this very sacred place, uh, he's, he's talking in a bigger, in, in the bigger world. How about others of you? Well, you've already read the description below. No, so I haven't. Oh, okay. I thought no, maybe I you had were privy to some information. No, no, but... no. All along, as I've we've been reading this, I've been thinking of South Mountain as as uh, someplace far off. But how about the rest of you? I I think it's not necessarily far far away, but I think that it is not terribly close but it has a different um the like to me the the weather the everything is different because you grow thatch there so you're going to a different kind of place okay here's one reason why i think it's different he knows that there's a lot of people on the south mountain but he asks how many people are there in the fields these other fields so he somehow has more information about the South Mountain than maybe anyone else. I don't think that's what the conversation is about at all. I don't either. Um, but but uh, I'm just wondering if they're different places. To me, I think that it's a place of hope because if you go to a village, a city where there are no jobs left, it's an impoverished area and people leave their homes in order to find a place where there is work because that means they can make a living 
And I think that's important. Okay, so what about uh, Starlet, you're next, so. It... Okay, so mine is Yangshan took his hoe and went. Why did he took his hoe with him? He could have left it. He went walking, carrying the extra weight. Did he have to walk far away? Was it close by? Either way, the only reason to take it with him was because he needed it. The purpose of a tool is to be used. How important it is to be prepared for the work I did with the right tools. Carrying a tool is hard work. How, how hard do we have to work on ourselves so when the time comes, we have the tools to do the work we were meant to do? Okay, let's, you wanna read the commentary now? Thank you, Starlet. That was Thank you, Starlet. Thank you, everyone. Okay, let's read in alphabetical order. And so Kim is first. <laughs> I chose this koan as the subject for my of my first Dharma talk yesterday at the village Zendo. The talk capped a week of practice where we examine the triple injustices of homelessness, incarceration, and racism. So you might ask, why talk about a koan at the end of a week like that? Why study a story about two Chinese monks trading riddles <coughs> a thousand years ago, I guess. Okay, now it's uh, Melissa. I believe this koan is critical. It's about the purpose of Zen in a world where there is a lot of work to do, but to see why when we have to unpack its but to see why we have to unpack its meaning. The koan reminds me of Huignan's famous little autobiography he wrote. Before I, yeah. oh. Before I studied Zen, I saw mountains as mountains and rivers as rivers. When I, when I arrived at a more intimate knowledge, I came to the point where I saw the mountains are not mountains and rivers are not rivers. But now that I have got its very substance, I am at rest. For it's just that I see mountains once again as mountains and rivers once again as rivers. That echoes the arc of this koan. Jingyan took decades to evolve from the conventional to the absolute, to their synthesis. But in the koan, Guishan and Yangshan leap from one perspective to the next in just a few sentences. To begin with, Guishan asks an ordinary question. Yang Shan gives an ordinary answer. Where are you coming from? From the fields. Why does Guishan ask anyway? 
Young Sean's feet are covered in manure. <laughs> he is wearing a muddy manure spattered samu. He's not coming from a library. Dogen comments, his disciple is carrying a hoe. Can it be that he doesn't know where he's coming from? No. Uh, Guishan asks in order to test his student, Yangshan. He's finding out how Yangshan practices working. Anyone can till a field with a hoe. But what is Yangshan's Zen of working in the field? In my opinion, Yangshan's ordinary answer is perfectly acceptable from a Zen man. Being a monk does not mean everything has to be mystical and crazy. Better to just give the facts. If I ask you what time it is, please just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take off your watch and stand in silence. Don't treat everything like a riddle. It would be insufferable to act Zen all the time. Do you like this guy? Yes. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but if acting or, oh, I think we have, uh... no, I'm next, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. But if, did, did Nandia read? Yes. Yes, okay. If, but if acting ordinary is perfectly acceptable, what is the purpose of practice? Practice should change you. Do not misinterpret Nansen's ordinary mind as the way. It is true, but it does not mean practice should not attain an expanded view. It's not that you forget how to give conventional answers, but years of Zen practice should make us ever less limited by the conventional, even more liberated, ever more free. And I think that I love the, um, the thing about a mountain is a mountain. And that was something that the photographer Edward Weston um, spoke about in a film on him. Um, and then also, some of you, I know Nelda has looked at the, the 10 ox pictures. And in the end, the, the one who's trying so hard to tame the ox finally just ends up as an ordinary person in the, uh, in the center of town. So uh, it goes through all the rigmarole of, of being very fancy and, and drowning in the Dharma and then, and then becomes like a regular person once again. Mm -hmm. Okay, who's reading? Me. Okay. Gushan tests for this expanded view. Does the monk Yanshan just hoe the field the same as he always did? Or have his years of practice expanded him? Gushan's test comes as another ordinary question. How many people are there in the fields? Are there 30 people in the fields? One person, none? And in response, Yangshan shows he cannot be trapped by trapped in the conventional. He leaps up to heaven and in an instant shows Gushan the whole universe, 
He plants his hoe in the dirt, clasps his hands, and stands silently. This is Zhang Shan Sansor. This is the no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind of the Heart Sutra. It is a completely austere, beautiful emptiness. No Ho, no fields, no people, no Wishang, no Yangshan. It is not that nothing exists in the silence, in this silence, but we are liberated from categorizing and separating and counting, from alienation, to really be intimate with work, skin to skin with it, you have to sort to go unconscious at times where the work is doing you. You are one with the work. Please forgive the hideous cliches. They are cliches because they are fact. Our best work is done when we are in the zone, just talking, just hoeing, just thinking, just programming, just writing. It is the central teaching of Zen that the view from heaven that encompasses the whole universe and the view from the muddy Minuri field where you dig up one turnip at a time, these are the same. You do not have to abandon one of them in order to attain the other. Actually, you cannot. Turning your eyes from the manure to gaze on heaven is delusion. It's when you're squatting down up to your wrists and ankles and shit with no thought of yourself at all, totally absorbed. That is heaven. Yes, it is. Mm. Mm. You do not know it, which is sad news for the knowing part of us which wants to own heaven. That one must be silent for a moment. We do not know when it is happening. And as soon as we know it, it isn't. It's annoying. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All the same, heaven is available to us when we are absorbed in our work. But does that mean we cannot ever answer an ordinary question again? Zen students walk the bodhisattva path, which means we are committed to being effective. And that means we have to act make distinctions, plan ahead, handle details, austere oceanic silence doesn't cut it. Silence is always the same. It is not an effective response to the changing world. It is like a VCR blinking 12 o'clock. So Gishan checks Yanshan once more. Yanshan has shown that he is the master of the obvious when he says, I came from the fields. And then he showed that he is the master of the absolute too when he released his hoe and stood in silence. <laughs> is he stuck in the absolute or is he free? Gishan checks him. On South Mountain, there are a lot of people cutting thatch. 
So Yanshan picks up his hoe and goes. Do you read this when this happens that Yanshan is going to the South Mountain? I do. Yes. I do. Um, for me is if he wasn't going there, why did he take his the hoe? He could have left it there. Oh, I I don't agree that the, the you know there's something so precious about a tool you wouldn't leave it anywhere. You, you the tool is like your right hand, so I can imagine him taking it anywhere. But I'm my reading, especially before tonight, was that he he just is leaving the whole situation. He's not going to the South Mountain. That the South Mountain is something far away. But anyway, that's that's just but my take. Him in the context of this paragraph, especially beginning with, so Guishan checks Yangshan once more about has he lost himself in the absolute? Has he lost himself in, in the constructed? So that sentence, that introductory sentence for me is sort of the clue um, that Yangshan knows the obvious, the constructed, I came from the field, and he knows the absolute, and then his master checks him again to see if he can flip back and forth, because that's what we're required to do in this world. And so you think he goes back to, okay. That's what I hmm. think. Or is he free? What, what does it mean to be free? That I he don't can go back and forth and hold both. I think. Good. Okay. He could choose to go or to stay. Uh, Gaoshan is just answering his own question again. How many people are in the fields? Work is happening. Is the work is happening is the answer. If you are not attached to your work versus someone else's work, the work now versus the work later, the work here versus the work over there. If work is just work, is just work well the thatch is being cut on the south mountain is just the work how many people are there in the fields the workers of the world unite and how does Zhang shang respond to this he picks up his hoe and goes off That's all you got, Milan? Okay. Um, it's fun momentarily to think about a couple of interpretations of what just happened. One is no one's working. When Yangshan is really doing it with the sweat dripping off his head, then there is no Yangshan hoeing. What he shows is not being there at all. So it might be another riposte in his Dharma combat with Guishan and a very stylish one too. Yangshan's final move is to delete himself from the dialogue. But I think he goes off to cut thatch. Tom Cleary's translation says he went, but another translation I found says he left immediately. 
there is a duty to join in at once. When there is thatch to be cut on South Mountain, why would Yang Chang still stand? Why is Yang Chang still standing around doing Dharma combat? This is not what a Zen monk actually does. A monk goes to work. Hong Si, the compiler of the Book of Serenity, writes this verse. The old enlightened one's feelings are many. He thinks of his descendants. Now he repents of setting up a household. We should remember the saying about South Mountain, engraved on the, on the bones, inscribed on the skin, together requiring the blessing. It is such a grave responsibility, the Bodhisattva path. There is so much work to, be, to do in the world. We spent last week tasting a little more the bitterness of all the injustice and suffering in New York City. <coughs> we heard from General Roshi about homelessness, and we saw the huge need of the community that the Bowery Mission serves, all the effort that is required, and how it still is not a fraction of the need. We went to New York City criminal court. We saw that system's mouth ingesting people, chewing them up one after another after another. We saw people having a really bad day. Many of them had a lot of bad years to come. We confronted the racism in our society and ourselves, how stuck our nation is and the sin of, its, of our forefathers, <coughs> how we have never healed the wounds we made. Your little self is not up to the challenge. That is why we must touch Yang Zhang's huge silence. Yang, Yang Shan, sorry. Yang Shan's silence is big enough. It is whole, it is the whole shebang. Or put less loftily, when you lose yourself in your work, your judgment and self-doubt fades, and you are free to act boldly. That is the point of training. Sitting still and staring at a wall is activism. It's not enough on its own. That is the point of this koan. But it is excellent training. That is why Bodhisattva's practice zazen. But then, when someone says there is work to be done, we pick up our tools and go. The old enlightened one's feeling are many. He thinks of his descendants. Now he repents on set of setting up a household. The old enlightened one could be Guishan, but it sounds to me like Buddha. When Buddha was enlightened, when Buddha was enlightened, he did not want to teach. He just hung out for a week, blissed out, enjoying his enlightenment, hanging out in silence. But the god Indra convinced him to teach, that is, to start a religion. This is the household he set up. 
I often talk with non-Buddhists who say, I know it's not really a religion, it's more of a lifestyle or a philosophy, but that does not describe the Zen I practice. Um, Kim, do you want to scroll up, please? Thank you. Several of our Ador Sangha members were sick this month, and our Sangha is reliant to visit them and share news about them. That does not sound like a life. That does not sound like a lifestyle to me. Crate and Barrel is a lifestyle. It has a catalog, but it isn't there for you when you are sick. A religious community is. A philosophy has books and theories, but it does not form a sangha. Existentialism doesn't check in on you when you're in the hospital, but as Endo does, that is the household set up for ourselves. It protects us. You're muted, Kim. And what about the end of Hong Ji's verse? We should remember the saying about South Mountain. Engraved on the bones, inscribed on the skin, together requiting the blessing. You guys know that word? I thought it was requiting. It's requiting, I think. Making appropriate return for, they are quick to requite a kindness. You've, heard, you've heard of unrequited love? That doesn't get uh, a response. Well, this is requi the this opposite. Is requited love. Don't settle for a superficial Zen. It is not robes and bells or a pretty Japanese-style Zendo or memorizing all the chants. I love all this stuff, but it is just the box that the Dharma comes in. It needs a box, but the box is not it. It has to be indel indelible, incarnate. Thus, then the Dharma is visiting a sick friend in the hospital. It is a healing it is healing and justice, housing the poor, confronting hatred, <coughs> our ancient evil karma. Oops, I got lost. This practice. Ah, thank you. This practice handed down over a thousand years. The way we practice is the way that ancient Chinese monks like Gusan and Yangsan did. They blessed us with this religion, this warm household where we practice together, expand ourselves to take on the work that needs to be done to heal the world's wounds. Let us continue to work together and hand down and hand it down to our descendants together, requiting the blessing.
Yishan asked Yanshan, where are you coming from? Yanshan said, from the fields. Yishan said, how many people are there in the fields? Yanshan planted his hoe in the ground, clasped his hand, and stood there. Yishan said, on the south mountain, there are a lot of people cutting thatch. Yanshan took up his hoe and went. Does it make more sense now? Uh, I'm surprised that what we did today of the one-liner was actually, like you said, it makes things more clear. I, I'm surprised that it worked. You want to say something, Melissa? I just said it did. I was agreeing oh, okay. with them. Charlotte. No, practice is work. Good work is practice. I, I like the idea of the doing in this. What he was saying. You, you it's not just all about practice. It's when when there's work that needs to be done, then you get up and go do it. That's that's what's really required. Um, the practice should help you be able to do that, but you can't hide behind the practice when there's work to be done. And at the same time, the work is practice, holding it mm -hmm. the same way that we hold a person we're talking to, a dish as gently as we hold it when we're washing it, or a plant when we're gardening, or everything brings those same elements of our practice that we try to hold our bodies in and ourselves with others to what we're doing every day, including taking a step at a time. Including what? Taking a step at a time. Oh. Being present with every step, being present with every breath, being present with every dish. I think it's including also not being dissatisfied. Oh, well, darn it, then I fail. <laughs> You know, as opposed to just doing what needs to be done, which is how this one ends up, maybe. But I, I think, I think the danger is thinking you got it. You know, where it, I mean, if it's going to be rich, if it's going to last for a, a thousand years, it's got to retain its. It's a mystery. Just like with another person, if you got the person, it would be really uh, terminal. <laughs> there wouldn't be anything more if you got them completely. You know, what? one of the beauties of Sangha is, and those of you who were at Pastor Dharma talk on Sunday um, will, will know, even if you weren't, you'll know. And that is, we have this tremendous gift of getting to watch long-term practitioners 
having spent similar number of years in this practice and be so different and yet be so much the same in terms of practice um, and, and to hear someone's history. Where are you coming from? Where did they come from in terms of their lives, in terms, terms of, of their experience and where they end up over time in terms of their practice? You get a chance I, I told Kim and several others of all the weight-keeping mind talks of people in our song I've listened to, this is the absolute best one I've ever heard. It was stunning. And it's it's um now online, so you can hear it if you missed it on Sunday. So you go to YouTube and for to Apamata and you can see the videos. I keep being reminded about the movie, the one that we saw on Friday, and specifically the nun, the Canton nun, because when she was planting, you know, everything she was doing, she kept saying it was the practice, and it was just the simple, not really simple, but simple, uh, act of planting a plant or cleaning or getting the water. It didn't matter what it was. It was part of the practice. And it kind of reminds me of, of this. And kind of um, like with the water, when he was asking, where did you get your water from? And, and she's from up there. It was obvious to her and she and he kept insisting and she was just like, Oh, do you want to see where it is? Is and then she just took off and showed him. And it was an arduous way to get up there and then to get the water. So and to car carry that water. Yeah. It it was amazing. Now the other thing that I I I visualize uh, this is that I visualize Yang Shan like a doctor. You could say that the rice fields were him being in college, starting to become a doctor. And he has all that knowledge now that he can put it to practice. So when Yishan is saying, there are a lot of people over there, you know, in the South Mountain, and he just goes and goes over there. To me, that's it's, it's kind of like that. Because even if he is now a doctor, to stay as a good doctor, he has to keep on learning. Because you, you can't just go by what you study in school because you, there's still new discoveries. And also what you learn in the field while working, you know, treating patients. And so it kind of reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. And you just reminded me of one of my favorite organizations, Doctors Without Borders. They see no borders. And and I, I didn't know this until one of my uh, friend's sons joined the Navy. And I thought, ugh. 
military. I'm sorry, I have a bias. But he was assigned to a mercy ship. They call them mercy ships, where all they do is go from country to country and use their skills to help others. Nandia has to go. Goodbye, Nandia. Mm -hmm. Malen would like to say something. Yes, uh, I wanted to comment that uh, what I enjoyed a lot about this the uh, commentary that we read um, is that it depicts the relationships not between uh, the characters but uh, with with um, with the Dharma itself. And for me, um, the cons that we have studied uh, has to do with that relationship and how this um, dance of conventional life and dialogues and actions opens a threshold with the absolute and how sometimes that's uh, it's not understandable in a linear way of reading and how this uh, sort of being uh, unexpected or weird is the subtle relationship uh, with the Dharma. So really enjoyed this one. Thank you. Yeah, you see why I, when I read that it was this first Dharma talk, I said, oh no. And then I started <laughs> reading a little of it and changed, quickly changed my mind. When do we get to see the story where it came from? You know, read the whole story where the koan is a part of. There isn't any such thing. Actually, there might be, but but I hope we don't get it. I hope we don't find it. <laughs> I found it for, for the koan that I was doing when I was uh, becoming head student. And um, it just, I, I, it, it told too much and I had, you know, I still, I mean, I just wish I had never seen it. It boxes you in when you get too much, doesn't it, Kim? Yeah. In, in fact, one of the things we were doing at the Austin Zen Center is writing to prisoners. And I made the mistake once of uh, Googling the prisoner and finding out what he had done. and and it just ruined our relationship, you know, that I couldn't take it. So it's that kind of thing where too much information. I mean, we've all had been in that situation where someone has given us too much information. No, I thought it was like that other book that we read from the Australian author that he, you know, we would read the koan and then at the very end of it is when he would give us the story of the koan. I don't know who you mean, the Gu one? We've, we've done a number of koan books now. Well, the, the last one. one. What? The, the one we did last. So are you talking Before about the book of Serenity? Uh, Starlet, when he would give us the historical background of the characters? 
No, I'm talking about the one that we no, did. The, the, the one of the rhinoceros. Oh, okay. So we would read the koan first, and then he would give us, I don't know how to say it, but like a background or, but the thing is that in the end, he will give us the story where the corn had been taken from and also how he went through the process of working with that corn. So I thought we were doing the corn, seeing our own process, the process of others, and that in the end, we would get to see the corn in the puzzle where it came from. That's... Well, this is different. This is more like what you do when you study koans, that you, you don't get the answer. Okay. So Kim, before we leave this evening, I wanna thank you for um, structuring our meeting time together the way you do, because hearing everyone's different perspective expands my practice. It really does. I'd much rather that than a book where, and, and by the way, in addition to hearing everyone who shows up um, for depth and practice, but you also bring in different um, uh, monks and teachers' writings and show us how they've read it. And it's so very different sometimes, the angle that they, from which they look at the koan. And it just shows you that these koans are multifaceted prisms and that all of all sides belong and so i really appreciate that and that's how they survived uh okay so we are done for tonight except nelda and i are going to talk about weather stripping <laughs> and this is not this is the, the relative not the absolute right <laughs> The difference between the kind you and between the wood and screw into the wood. <laughs>